quiet. I mean, it would be helpful if the Hong Kong government did survey our members to mm. find out what's important to them and why they're leaving so they could fix a potential major problem. Um, talking with the government and dialogue and, um, you know, focus groups would actually be a good thing. The question is, will the government act on that to make sure that there is a strong environment here for international businesses? I mean, it's fair to say, isn't it, that the relationship between the U.S. government and the Hong Kong government and the mainland Chinese government has, has, has broken down. Is that having an impact on business here for, for your members? Well, in our latest uh, temperature testing survey, there were a long list of concerns that people have for the year ahead. And actually, the top of the list was U.S.-China relations. That's before COVID. Mm -hmm. um, the U.S.-China relationship issue is tricky, difficult, longstanding, and, and it makes people nervous because people would like to continue to trade, would like to see a, a world where different countries can trade with each other uh, to increase business, to increase job opportunities, etc. So uh, despite a new administration and our membership is optimistic that things could be better this year, there are still many challenges ahead and not being able to have an easy dialogue with the Hong Kong government complicates that. Tara, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank, thank you very much for coming in this morning. Thanks for having me. That's Tara Joseph, President of the American Chamber of Commerce here in Hong Kong. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. A quick flip around Asian markets. The SX200 in Australia up three quarters of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan flat. Looks like the Hang Seng's going to open flat as well later on this morning. In the commodities markets, uh, everything is focused on silver. Trading right now down about 2% at $28.51 a barrel. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Stay tuned to Back Chats with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast. It's going to be fine and dry, warm with some haze during the day. Maximum temperature about 26 degrees. 19 degrees right now, 87% relative humidity. 8.32. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. Overnight lockdowns of almost a dozen buildings across Hong Kong have ended, with a total of 1,700 people tested and no coronavirus cases found. It comes after the government promised aggressive action against COVID-19 in the run-up to the Lunar New Year holiday. The lockdowns at buildings in Jimsa, Zhou, Yunlong, Hongham and Yaomate were lifted between 6.30 and 7 o'clock this morning. Lockdowns are now ordered after a single unlinked case in a building. Infectious disease expert Leung Chi Chu says the measures are a step in the right direction, but one-time tests will have a limited effect. There's no guarantee there won't be any further case in future because uh, there may be some people still in the uh, incubation period. It's still relying on the individual to pay a high alert uh, so that they can come forward for retesting, even if they have a negative result on the compulsory testing. Hong Kong reported 34 new cases yesterday. Five were imported, including three domestic helpers from Indonesia and the Philippines. Residents and staff at an elderly care home in Kowloon Tong were quarantined after a staff member tested positive and a resident preliminary positive. 
President Biden has strongly condemned the military coup in Myanmar, saying those responsible will be held to account. Mr Biden said the detention of Aung San Suu Kyi and other civilian leaders was a direct assault on democracy and the rule of law. His spokesperson Jen Psaki told a White House briefing that the administration was considering renewed sanctions. The United States, I should say, removed sanctions on Burma over the past decade based on progress toward democracy. The reversal of that progress will necessitate an immediate review of our sanctions laws and authorities, followed by appropriate actions. In Myanmar itself, troops are on the streets of the capital, Naypyidaw, and the biggest city, Yangon. A curfew is in place. A military-run TV station has announced the appointment of new ministers to replace those ousted from power. Iran's foreign minister has suggested the European Union could act as a coordinator between Washington and Tehran to restore the 2015 nuclear deal that collapsed when former President Trump withdrew the United States. Here's the BBC's Ian McWilliam. Donald Trump took Washington out of the nuclear deal aimed at limiting Iran's production of nuclear fuel because he said it didn't include Iran's regional military activities. The Biden administration, however, has said the U.S. wants to rejoin, but only when Iran reverses its recent fuel purification. Speaking on CNN, the Iranian foreign minister, Mohammad Javad Zarif, said the U.S. can rejoin, but only after U.S. sanctions have been lifted. To break the diplomatic standoff, he suggested the EU's foreign policy chief, Joseph Boré, as head of the commission overseeing the nuclear deal, could set out a plan by which both sides would return to compliance. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverson, your co-host today's Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about getting tougher on COVID and also developments in Myanmar. The government yesterday announced it will further boost coronavirus testing in the city with all residents required to get tested if a single untraceable infection is found in their buildings. Chief Secretary said that workplaces will also be subject to mandatory testing order if two COVID cases emerge. He added that the authorities will impose lockdowns and mass coronavirus testing more frequently in the coming 10 days with at least one a day in various districts and four were organised overnight uh, with uh, apparently no cases found. We'll double-check on the information on that. Well, do you agree with the uh, tougher approach? How will it will affect your and everyone's plans for Chinese New Year, of course? After 9.15, we're going to be discussing the latest situation in Myanmar. We want to hear your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, as ever. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our telephone number is 233-88266. We look forward to hearing from you, 233-88266. Just before we get into the... The uh, COVID uh, issues, um, some thoughts on uh, yesterday's discussion and uh, other issues. Mike says, um, uh, this is a note to Mike Rouse, uh, with regards to 2020 election fraud, a New York House seat was just overturned from a Democrat flipped to a Republican House member due to what was described as illegal irregularities. More on that story as it unfolds. You won't hear it on MSM or RTHK for that matter. A hard search on Google, although it might be useless as they've done a good job in not putting it on front page news. Joshua Phillips was my source. Note Trump was given nearly $100 million by voters for the purpose of investigating election irregularities. It seems as though that money can only be spent for that purpose. So stay tuned. The fact lady hasn't sung yet. That's uh, from uh, Mike. Um, 
Lou says, uh, here's what we've learned about British rule with the B&O saga. It took 180 years after the Brits landed in Hong Kong and later colonised the city with force, resulting in the signing of an unequal treaty in 1842 for Britain to offer an embarrassing visa scheme that offers a pathway to citizenship with no access to public funds for at least five years, not even breadcrumbs. The way the British government has packaged this offer cements their view of the status of Hong Kong Chinese people in British society. For over 150 years, the British government has only accepted Hong Kong Chinese people as mere colonial subjects and never welcomed them as citizens. To add insult to injury, given the surge in COVID-related racism against Asian people in Britain, Hong Kong migrants to Britain will need to be psychologically prepared to live as second-class citizens, even if they obtained citizenship years later. On top of that, Britain is facing serious economic trouble after Brexit and the outbreak of a new coronavirus variant. Best of luck for those loyal subjects who are packing up to go there. Besides, given its breach of the relevant UK memorandum of the 1984 Sino-British Joint Declaration, it's useful to learn that sometimes what the British government has signed as an official memo could be as good as a piece of toilet paper in the future. The news headlines in the past year also indicate a disturbing trend. That is uh, from Lou. Uh, and Jim says, uh, why do your guests underestimate the ability of Hong Kong people to make rational judgments on an issue that's central to their future? Before making their decision, those contemplating moving from Hong Kong will have weighed up the pros and cons, too many to enumerate, and consulted family and friends, many of whom will have experienced both worlds. Emigration from Hong Kong to the UK, Canada, Australia, USA, etc. is far from unusual. Between 1988 and 1994, in the last mass exodus, an estimated 55,000 people per year emigrated, although many subsequently returned. The UK and a number of other countries have stated their conditions. It's now up to individuals, not so-called pundits, to make their decision. That is from Jim, our email address, backchat.rthk.hk. We're joined now by Dr Alvin Chan, who's co-chairman of the Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases at the uh, Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, if you want to talk to Dr Chan, uh, call us before 9, 233 is the number. Dr Chan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for, for, for joining us. Uh, what do you make of this uh, uh, approach now by the uh, government? They seem to be kind of doubling down on these, these lockdowns, uh, promising to get tougher, uh, especially uh, before Chinese New Year. Uh, what do you think about that as a strategy? Well, um, that is a strategy that uh, is so preferred than a universal lockdown approach that some people had suggested uh, last month. I think uh, because the difficulty is in the uh, uh, restraining the people who are locked down to to leave that area beforehand. Now, uh, yesterday, uh, they had uh, four areas raided um, at the same time. So, uh, and some of the people did not have the news beforehand to move out of the areas. And so perhaps uh, we could have uh, better opportunities, better chances to uh, see all those hidden cases there. Um, but uh, I'm still uh, dubious because uh, uh, with such um, lockdown measures, because we are involving the police and uh, many other departmental officers, then uh, some, some officers uh, surely could have the news before the implementation, then um, uh, with with the um, human errors or instincts, some people would 
leak the uh, news uh, to those people living there with vested um, interest, then perhaps some people would still leave. At, at least at, at this moment, I still had not uh, really gathered any information from the uh, forces that uh, any illegal immigrants or overstaying people were, were, uh, or illegally operating um, businesses were seized. And um, I, I would expect if the, the, the lockdown was effective, some of these people should be uncovered. And uh, however, I, I would think that uh, this must be continued in a way that uh, we have to, I mean, uh, the, the local um, localized lockdown measures have to be continued and uh, also to be um, uh, more effective than um, the instantaneous uh, action would have to be um, um, implemented effectively. Uh, the more it is so, then I think the more successful it is. Uh, however, it seems that for the past two uh, actions, then a zero uh, were found to have uh, added uh, confirmed cases. So I, I think, uh, of course, that could be a good sign that uh, really less cases were hidden already. But then, of course, we still have to um, consider uh, the possibility of uh, some people might have uh, uh, the information beforehand and, and had left. And also, uh, I think uh, it is now the high time that the government had to do something about the uh, the, the um, uh, mis uh, connected pipes or the uh, old um, uh, already <clears throat> already obsolete uh, pipe systems and uh, the chinny effects of many buildings that had been exposed by uh, the infection in these old districts, then I think um, the government has to do something to promptly and timely rectify the errors in those uh, structures. And I think uh, otherwise the infection would uh, still continue despite all, all these uh, lockdown, local lockdown um, measures. Um, yeah, uh, thank you, Dr. Chen. Uh, perhaps I could follow up on um, this point that you you believe that these localized lockdowns must continue. Um, otherwise, it's um, not easy to to get the number of uh, confirmed cases down. Now, we we already have um, compulsory testing orders. Uh, if a building has several cases, then. Um, the uh, health department would issue an order for the residents to be tested uh, without the localized lockdown. But now we have an added measure um, that you know the building uh, will be locked down for, let's say, 12 hours, 18 to 24 hours. And um, how how much more effective is this? And um, f you know, um, we we are really trying to inconvenience people's lives and you know um, yes. people have different work hours some have night shifts uh, some have date shifts and basically they're not allowed to go out and actually without warning um, is it um, is it really a must that this continues uh, I would think that uh, because of the reasons that I had uh, suggested uh, these have to be un uh, uninformed 
uh, lockdowns and uh, so-called uh, raid measures in those localized areas in order to have an effective mandatory testing of those people. Uh, some people might have left that area getting the news, and uh, the, the, the information should not leak out uh, really uh, more than a few hours for the action. And this would create inconvenience, for sure. Um, but for the public health purpose, um, I think uh, some people, I'm, so, I'm, I'm also really uh, feeling sorry about uh, this. Um, some people have to um, suffer. Well, I, I don't know whether the uh, government could also, at the same time, uh, give orders to the employers that uh, if the employees were really absent due to these lockdown measures, they could not really penalize the workers for being late or absent. I think, Dr. Chen, um, this is a very good idea, but it is not easy to be implemented. Yes. Um, if, if I if I go to an, another issue, and that's the chimney effects, um, you know, of um, these uh, pipes um, that uh, that are faulty. Uh, I I you know I I have this um, you know I'm, all my friends are now staying at home, including myself. I'm staying at home, and you know what they do because the weather's cold, and uh, so families are having hot pot dinners. And yes. you know, although I'm I'm not a public health person, but I know that you know when you every every family every household has a hot pot dinner, uh, you know there there is a chimney effect uh, of some sort. Uh, you yes. know, with the sick air the sick air going out. Now, um, and at the same time, you know, with these um, uh, localized lockdown measures, we are not seeing any relaxation of social distancing at all. Do you see right. you know some room for the relaxation? Well, I don't think they will uh, relax. Uh, up till now, they had continued the rules uh, after the Chinese New Year. Now, uh, as far as I uh, remember, they, they will continue uh, the measures uh, until the 16th of February, something like that. Uh, but then I think um, the chimney effect is, uh, is there, that uh, we all suspect that uh, that increase the risk of uh, the spread of the virus uh, because uh, most of us would then turn on the exhaust fan and the, uh, with, uh, as you said, when people are having the um, toilet use or when they are having a gathering at home. So uh, also, um, I think in, in that case, this is uh, characteristics of Hong Kong. We are all so densely populated in tall buildings and uh, the structures of the tall buildings usually will have a light light well, something like that, uh, to give uh, uh, the uh, illumination of the uh, units in the tall buildings. So uh, I, I would think that um, this is something that is, of course, unexpected in the architecture of the building many years ago. But uh, I think the the government and the experts in the architecture and building and the health um, department should uh, gather together with some uh, wise ideas how to deal with this. Uh, uh, for example, perhaps uh, people could have 
the government could have uh, assisted all the um, people to install air conditioners in every unit so that uh, that would decrease the um, uh, chimney effects if we all close all the windows and turn on the air conditioners. Of course, that is not environmentally healthy, and that also creates a lot of problems because the people have to bear the fees, the cost of uh, air conditioning, and uh, that's uh, perhaps uh, difficult to sustain for many uh, people with lower social e uh, e economic status. So I, I really think that people need to think hard to get solutions to these uh, problems. Otherwise, the, uh, every, every time a new virus comes, we still have to face the problems like these. Okay, some uh, uh, emails. Uh, Alison says, uh, Dear Backcheck, can you please discuss the vaccine rollout in Hong Kong, or more specifically the embarrassing lack of one? For a world city and a well-established and renowned medical system, it's unacceptable that the COVID vaccine programme has not started. Smaller and less wealthy countries have started inoculating their people. Why not Hong Kong? We're only 7.5 million people. Thank you. That's from uh, Alison. Dr Chan, your thoughts on uh, why is why don't we haven't we started the vaccine program when many other places have? Well, I think uh, it's because Hong Kong had uh, have, have relatively a good um, freedom of uh, speech, and uh, so we have in Hong Kong, in fact, not so imminent danger. Uh, the supply of the vaccines as the um, motivation to be vaccinated by the people. I think uh, Hong Kong has the lowest intention of the people to get vaccinated among the uh, developed uh, places in the world. Uh, say in Singapore, in Israel, more than uh, a majority of the people would like to be, would want to be uh, vaccinated in Hong Kong less than uh, a a third of our people would like to be vaccinated. I think that is a more a determining factor than the availability of the vaccine. So, we're, sorry, so we're not so we're not getting the vaccinations because people don't really want them in Hong Kong. Is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, I think the government would have less. I, I mean, they they would think that is is less in an imminent danger mm. when most of the people don't like uh, the vaccine. Say, for example, I I, I just guess all the time. I say in Macau, when uh, the people, people are much more compliant, the government could uh, do the things much more efficiently and uh, uh, motivate. Uh, but in Hong Kong, of course, the supply is a problem, say. The EU had said that they would limit the uh, supply, uh, the export of the production of their vaccines for other people outside EU. Then, of course, that is a limiting factor. Uh, and also, uh, Hong Kong government refused to have the uh, vaccines from America, but must have to be from Europe, uh, because they have to be linked to BioNTech rather than the Pfizer. Then, of course, these are also issues. But I think we are already much luckier than other poorer economies uh, in Southeast Asia. Many of the places like Philippines, Malaysia, or Thailand, they would have vaccinations even perhaps even later in the schedule than Hong Kong. Um, but of course, it's not fast enough, according to those like us who want to have the vaccination as soon as possible. Uh, but then I, I think we are at the middle of the road, I guess. Okay. But of course, it's also because of scientific consideration. 
we could have the Chinese vaccines uh, as soon as possible if we want, perhaps, if the go- Chinese government allows. Uh, and it seems that they, they allow. But they allow, but then our, our, our baseline is very um, sure and firm that we want scientific consideration rather than political consideration sure. okay. in getting the vaccines. Okay, uh, a couple more uh, emails. Uh, Mike says, because I told you this... It says on COVID testing, because I told you this a month ago, I'm a conspiracy theorist, question mark. Uh, mass testing of people without COVID-19 symptoms is, quote, not an accurate way of screening the general population, unquote. A senior def- figure at the Department of Health and Social Care has said. The comments were made by James Bethel, one of England's health ministers, in response to a letter from an MP raising concerns about blanket testing on behalf of a constituent. Our government is at best chasing its tail. Let them start with something simple. Control the wild pigs in the territory first and if successful we can give you something harder random area by area is not proper use of pcr test perhaps carrie lamb should google it that comes uh, from uh mike uh, and uh, a longer one from uh, magnus this is addressed to you dr chan uh magnus yeah. says um uh, please ask Dr. Chan and any other medical expert guests their thoughts on the following. Uh, the 6pm rule, two-persons rule, closure of LCSD open spaces and public beaches were introduced together on December the 10th. At that time, the transmission rate, the R number, had already fallen to 0.89. Therefore, we know that none of these measures were necessary in order to contain the outbreak. We know this because the R number was already less than 1. Um, so the measures were not necessary, but they were perhaps helpful at least, and if so, were they sufficiently helpful to be justified as worth the damage and trouble that they cause? Subsequent to December the 10th, the R number has been in the range of 0.72 to 1.36. That's on January the 13th. So the transmission rate has generally not been reduced and in fact has been at one point been 53% higher since implementing these changes. The implication is that beyond being unnecessary, these changes are not even helpful. Never mind anything close to justifiable when considering the health, economic and social damage that they cause. Viewing the transmission data, there is in fact a case to be made that these measures may be actively undermining the fight against COVID transmission. Effectively forcing people to spend more time indoors and within the confines of tiny apartments from 6pm to 5am may actually help the virus spread. Removing the option of going to restaurants in the evening has the same counterproductive effect as taped off playing fields and beaches. The same number of people now operate in a reduced amount of space. As these government-imposed measures demonstrably make no sense, then why are we being put through all of this? With the evidence quite clear, these measures must now amount to willful damage to everyone's quality of life, and in particular to the hospitality sector, where thousands of businesses are being forced into bankruptcy. The authorities must either not be looking at the data or not be able to understand it. A common misconception is that if sacrifice and pain are involved, then benefit must follow. The rather obvious key is that one needs to be making the right sacrifices. Just because medicine tastes bad does not mean that it is good for you. That comes uh, from uh, Magnus. Uh, Dr. Chan? Yes. I agree with Mike in a way that uh, in fact I, I think we... Magnus, we, I think you mean. Did you uh, Magnus, no. Yeah, go on. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think uh, <clears throat> outdoor activities are less dangerous than indoor activities if we also get the social distancing and also the masking rules. Uh, however, I think the, um, if the um, implementation of these rules also uh, 
sometimes I think I quite just. I mean, I mean, Magnus's point not, is. Do you know, just to read, to read summarize, Magnus's point is that they introduced all these measures, and in fact, um, it's done. The, it's had the opposite effect. It's actually increased the the transmission of uh, disease. Uh, yeah, there are many so, factors hmm. concerned uh, because, uh, say, how how the people are masked, how often are they masked, uh, how accurate and uh, in the right uh, way that they are masked, and uh, how how often they use the. Uh, uh, washing hands and also the uh, sanitizers uh, and, and um, um, all there are so many factors uh, so we could not delineate just uh, one factor of uh, open area activities or outdoor activities uh, to 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 guide the changes in the arrow factor uh, I, I I think um, I think uh, I do agree that um, in fact uh, just closing those uh, spot center or those um, even the um, the the, the um, outdoor uh, and country parks places uh, are not the right way to be. I think beaches, all these things are, are not really uh, getting the disease spread. And um, however, the effect on the um, uh, the spread of the disease, that is, uh, the R um, value, uh, I think, is not a linear one because so many variables are involved, not just one. But, however, I, I think, uh, say, I, I've been visiting the uh, park, the uh, Kalunchai Park, whatever. All those spot centers were closed. But, however, people were getting up there to, to run, to jog, to have uh, those other stretching exercises. And people were still up there, just they are not getting into the sports activities. Mm. I do think that uh, uh, if we have um, some rules on uh, people using these outdoor activities and the sports centers and the country parks and the beaches, etc., these could be open, but okay. with some rules. All right. Well, Dr. Chan, many thanks for, for joining us. Thank you very much indeed. Co-chairman of the Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases of the Medical Association. Arasina Mar joining us after the news at nine. Uh, do chip in, please. Call us or drop us an email. The weather, fine and dry, warm with some haze uh, during the day. Temperatures today up to 26 degrees, 19 degrees now. Humidity 86%. Year 2000, so in the last 20 years, and part of that is due to human-caused climate change. Because it's warming up just a little bit, but it's still cold enough for snow, we're forcing more moisture into the atmosphere. Ocean temperatures off of the coast here in New York are warmer than they would otherwise be. That powers bigger systems, that powers heavier snow, and so we get these blockbuster snowstorms. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Tuesday, Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverson. We're talking about aspects of uh, COVID prevention measures uh, in uh, Hong Kong later. We're going to be talking about developments with Myanmar uh, with uh, an analyst from the Economist uh, Intelligence Unit. We want to hear your thoughts as ever, of course. Uh, drop us a line. Uh, call us on 233-88266 or email back chat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your, your messages uh, unless they are abusive. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page. That's back chat and rthk. 
HK Radio 3. Okay, a lot of comments. Um, uh, Henry on Facebook says, the government tougher approach uh, towards COVID-19 should only be applauded. I wish it could be tougher and get done earlier. If Hong Kong continues the old way, Hong Kong would never get rid of COVID. The strict enforcement of so many people fined for disobeying the compulsory testing rule should be done earlier and generate respect for the law. I think towards the Chinese New Year and maybe during the Chinese New Year holidays, it's likely the government would expand the scope or take tougher measures. President Xi has expressed disappointment and concern on Hong Kong progress here in his meeting with Carrie Lam. This is an important message. I guess the central government has some plans involving Hong Kong, but could not do so due to COVID cases in Hong Kong. Plus, it disturbs the Greater Bay plan. I read other cities in Greater Bay is striding fast in news, but Hong Kong is still stuck with Macau advancing also uh, very fast. Uh, and TC says when the rest of the world is already on vaccinations, the Hong Kong government is again behind the curve in insisting on mandatory testing. Um, and uh, comment uh, from uh, listeners. OK, Leslie Ann says, Dear Backchat, these surprise lockdowns are a complete waste of money and time. The only way out of this is to accelerate the vaccine process and vaccinate the population as soon as possible, something the Hong Kong government is failing dismally at. It's also nonsense to say that we can afford to wait as we have a robust medical system. We need the vaccine so we can travel and get on with running businesses and return life back to normal. Uh, that's from uh, Leslie Ann. Thanks uh, for that. Um, Phil says, generally the government has done a great job. Sometimes hard decisions need to be made. Look at Perth, one case, and they've just shut down, locked down half the city. Uh, S says, uh, this is a very shocking analogy that we can't start vaccination as the majority of people do not want to be vaccinated. Has Dr Chan satisfactorily answered why the majority of people do not want to be vaccinated? It's because they don't trust the government and also that the senior officials will be forced to take the vaccination, which is probably not their choice. And at the same time, they want to force this same vaccine on the public. That comes uh, from uh, S. Thank you very much indeed for for uh, all those uh, comments. Uh, squeeze in uh, any more. Uh, Matthew says, on the ambush lockdowns, these are clearly political theatre designed to please President Xi and not related to effective management of the virus. Um, and uh, S says, I disagree that it is nonsense to close restaurants at 6pm. Wasn't the first spread of covid via a hot pot dinner. That's uh, from uh, S. We're joined now by Dr. Arasina Ma, President of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association. Dr. Ma, good morning to you. Thanks for, for, for joining us uh, once again. Um, so we've heard that uh, the four overdown, uh, overnight lockdowns, uh, again, didn't reveal uh, any cases. Um, do you think, uh, what do you think is going on there? Do you think they're ineffective or do you think that they're better than nothing? Uh, What's your uh, approach? What's your understanding of that approach? Um, I think why the government maybe we seems like a bit overactive once they find out a case is in a, in a building is because uh, they we, recently we have many outbreaks were actually is living in the same building. Definitely for those buildings that are around 20 or 13 years old, the sewage system or the architecture got some problems that make the virus can spread among the whole building either in, on, in the same floor or vertically on the same uh, unit on different floor. Um, I think maybe the reason why the government, once they find out uh, cases in a, one or a couple of cases in a building, they lock down the whole building to test because they can do nothing to stop the spread. 
uh, uh, you can see that um, this kind of um, spread among the building uh, or the, our uh, uh, specialist, Professor Yun, has pointed out many times since there are some problems of our sewage system in the private housing. But the government or the architect uh, uh, department seems to have no recommendation and no, no remedy for us. So they just lock down people and test it. Uh, it's luckily that uh, usually we don't find uh, uh, cases, a uh, couple of cases uh, appear over a long period of time. It seems just come out uh, one or two weeks' time. But uh, in fact, uh, uh, I think uh, how to solve the problems rather than just catch the cases. Yes, um, Dr. Ma, we have had um, lockdown measures since um, December the 10th, as um, you know, one listener wrote in. Uh, however, the infection rate has not really gone down. Uh, what, what's the matter? You know, we are closing our borders. Uh, we have asked people who come back from all over the world to be quarantined for 21 days now. So mm-hmm. those are not imported cases, uh, but those are local cases. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how come, you know, all these um, measures... Um, are not working? Uh, first of all, as you said, now mainly they, uh, our daily cases are local infected cases. All those imported cases, uh, we, we still have some imported cases, but they are found in the quarantine hotel or the quarantine centers. All the imported cases have been locked down, have been cashed properly. Uh, and but we also have many lockdown measures, sort of, for example, close most of the restaurant at night, only allow two people to sit together and dine. However, we, and also we close all the gym and beauty centers along and so on. But uh, it, it doesn't work because this time the, 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 the case are not spread in, that, in those locations. So uh, we don't have those uh, large banquet dinner. We don't have those hot pot group again. So cases are spread among construction site workers, spread among uh, those um, uh, uh, manual labor or those uh, in the same building. So I think um, it's time for the uh, government to review their lockdown measures because we know that many restaurants or uh, beauty salons, they're in a very hard time now. So the government may see, I personally, I think the government should, uh, for example, once they find a couple of cases in a construction site, they should stop the construction site from working earlier. Because even for the um, uh, Jordan uh, area uh, spread or uh, 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 cluster of cases, people said that because uh, some of the residents in that area, actually they are the uh, workers in the construction site. So they, they, uh, they bring that back the virus to the community. So, uh, yes, I think the government should review their lockdown measures since they are not targeted to the mode of transmission this time. Um, how, how are things in the, in the hospital? Um, we, we see that, uh, you know, very sadly, one or two patients die each day and uh, the, uh, the death rate is, is sort of going up and uh, to over 180 now. How are things in the hospital? Uh, actually, the hospital... Um, now, the status for the cohort cases or for the COVID cases are not in a very bad situation because although we still have um, 20 or 30 cases each day, but most of them are, are maybe the young age uh, uh, residents. They, they are not very, very ill at the beginning. So, uh, most of them can stay in the Asian Expo centers. For those uh, death cases, we 
how we still see nowadays. They are they may be admitted early in January. They have a, quite a stormy course of disease. They have been stayed in the um, uh, intensive care units for a month and so on, but they cannot uh, survive. And then they, the death cases come out gradually. Uh, yeah. We had an email uh, in the first part of the program, basically saying that uh, if you look at the uh, the R rate, the uh, uh, you know the uh, the infectiousness, uh, what's happening in society, um, it's actually increased uh, since the sort of current rave of measures was introduced on December the tenth, uh, and that would suggest that in fact it's making things worse. Uh, do you, but the, uh, Dr. Chan in the first half was disagreeing with that. I mean. Do you see these measures that we have now as actually, you know, uh, herding people together and in some ways making things, as I say, worse? Um, I cannot say whether the, this, uh, the, 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 the lockdown measures uh, we are doing for the community make the things worse, but I think more appropriately we can, see, we can say it doesn't work well. So if the, uh, if the measures cannot stop the transmission, and for this virus who can, uh, was so powerful in uh, uh, spreading around, if the number of cases getting larger, uh, the, the R uh, 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 will be getting higher. But I think maybe those now number uh, uh, we have right now, is, uh, those are, uh, are reflecting what happened in early or mid-January. Uh, definitely, we see the cases have start to come down a bit. So the our number later this month or in February may be getting better. Okay, and and the vaccines are you know very slowly appearing in Hong Kong. Supposedly after Chinese New Year, um, there'll be a vaccination program. I think the hospital, uh, the public hospitals are also you know uh, vaccination centres. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, we um, personally, I have re I have not received any information whether uh, any one of the hospital will be the vaccination center, uh, because um, I think likely we will inject some patients who come along for uh, their usual appointment, but. Uh, there are certain limitations for the hospital to be one of the large public vaccination centers, especially the first launch of vaccine we are going to have is the, uh, the uh, BioNTech one, which require a big refrigerator to keep it, and then uh, after you defrost it, uh, it you, you need to uh, dilute it and so on. So it is more suitable in a large vaccination center. For the um, hospital, uh, you can only maybe we it's better for us to inject some of the attendees of our uh, clinic, uh, and the, the vaccine that are stored in room temperature is uh, more easy for us to give. Since I don't think our hospital, or most of the hospital, can uh, evacuate a, a, a large space or a hall for, uh, for uh, doing those sort of large-scale vaccination. There's, there, you know, there's surveys which show that uh, many, many people in, in Hong Kong are very reluctant to, uh, to take the vaccine, and if asked, they say they won't be taking the vaccine. Um, why do you think that is? Um, do you think that maybe when they're a reality, the vaccine is a reality, that they'll change their minds, they will actually take it? Um, I think, personally, I think, this may be because uh, of the strategy, how the government promoted vaccination program at the beginning. At the beginning, we, you, we can see that they uh, they 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 uh, pay have pay, have pay a quite a lot 
a lot of attention on the uh, 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 Chinese pharmaceutical company manufactured a vaccine, the Sinovac. Uh, they, 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 they try to promote it a lot. But however, it's unlikely that all sorts of um, uh, research results or news show that it seems not very promising. And then uh, the, so many citizens have developed a very negative image about the vaccination program run by the government. Um, even later, the government said that the first batch of vaccine we're going to have is the BioNTech, which has already been injected uh, 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 in many different countries or, uh, and require okay results, but the, 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 our citizens still uh, seems uh, not interested in the vaccination. So, uh, and also um, nowadays, uh, uh, we can see many uh, politicians, or uh, they will come out, uh, try to serve many argument or discussion. Uh, why not? Uh, we, we're going to get some uh, 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 vaccine that which uh, has not yet get any uh, uh, phase uh, phase three trial data. Uh, those sort of uh, argument, or maybe some people see it's a kind of political show, uh, also um, uh, affect the, um, um, our citizen confidence about the vaccination program uh, run by the government. But the um, healthcare workers, the doctors and nurses uh, that you know, um, there's no resistance from them, right? I, I think all over the world, um, you know, you have first priority uh, for the vaccine. Mm, first of all, uh, I have not yet get any detail about uh, the program uh, uh, vaccinating the healthcare workers. How will we go through it? Through it, for example, as I said, if the first uh, lot of uh, first batch of vaccine is the BioNTech one, uh, that's quite unlikely we're going to get the injection, uh, the jab in the hospital. We need to visit one of the uh, vaccination center. So you know, we are working in shift hours. Uh, Will the center open in those late hours or we don't know? So um, I think, um, I, of course, I cannot represent all the healthcare workers. Maybe the healthcare workers working in the private sector have different uh, 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 opinions about that. But I think for some of the uh, healthcare workers working in the public hospital, they, they may uh, uh, hold the uh, attitudes of wait and see. And let's see how the program run, uh, go on. Let us have more details about that. Okay, well, Arasina Ma, thank you very much indeed for joining yeah, well. us. Uh, Dr. Ma, there is president of the Hong Kong Public Doctors uh, Association. Uh, once again, our email backchat at rthk.hk or on our Facebook backchat on rthk radio 3. Uh, we're going to be t talking uh, now, turning to uh, the subject of uh, Myanmar, where the army has detained Aung San Suu Kyi and other elected leaders. Uh, accusing Mr. Suji's party of fraud over its recent landslide uh, election win. U.S. President Joe Biden has now threatened to reinstate sanctions in Myanmar uh, after the uh, military have uh, seized power. Uh, for comment, uh, we're joined now by Brian Chair, who's a country analyst with the Economist uh, Intelligence Unit. Mr. Chair, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you much indeed for joining us. Well, now that uh, Myanmar is in a state of emergency, what... Uh, events do you think we can we expect from the military what should we be looking out for now well i think things are still developing uh in quite uh, a rapid manner so i think what we uh will be uh, waiting to hear from the military uh would be one uh what they plan to do with uh the people including on sansuki that they have 
detained because their fate would uh, have a major impact on how the international community uh, sees the new government. And the second thing would concern uh, is domestic poverty because uh, Myanmar is going through uh, a difficult period uh, with the economy slowing down and also uh, a resurgence of COVID cases. So uh, we should uh, hear uh, from them pretty soon uh, what their you know, domestic program is going to be because you know now that Myanmar is in a state, emerg- state of emergency that uh, will supposedly last a full year. So that means they actually have to govern. Uh, and so I would say that these are the two uh, main things. Uh, also, there would be the third one, although I think uh, we seem to have got a hint, a hint of what that could be. And that is, um, since the, you know, since the uh, um, reason that the military uh, said they staged the coup uh, was because of their concern over this uh, massive electoral fraud that uh, resulted in a landslide uh, win for uh, Aung San Suu Kyi and her uh, National League for Democracy Party. So uh, the thing we probably uh, should expect to hear from them would be how they plan to uh, address the so-called you know, electoral fraud. Uh, would they try to, you know, uh, uh, for instance, review the uh, voter registration list or would they do something uh, even more thorough, that is, you know, like changing the uh, electoral system via a constitutional rewrite. Uh, given that they've got a year, you know, if these are some of the things that they want to do, uh, they'll have time to. Uh, yeah, I mean, is the election fraud just uh, uh, an excuse uh, for them to seize power or was it really the uh, the cause of this, uh, what amounts to a coup? Well, um, the allegations of uh, massive and systemic electoral fraud that uh, could impact uh, the election results in a meaningful way have not been supported by uh, election observers, domestic or abroad, or any uh, foreign government. Uh, so I think uh, people could reasonably say, you know, like it is just an excuse for the military to seize power. Although I, uh, I do think that um, the election results uh, were indeed the reason that they chose to, you know, uh, staged a coup now after uh, tolerating on Suki and her party for five years. Um, I think the I think the most uh, probable uh, rationale behind uh, was that uh, the you know after, after the latest uh, election landslide defeat for um, the military aligned parties, I think it prompted a reason among some in the uh, military leadership as to whether. They uh, could legitimately win power again under uh, the current electoral system. Yeah, that that was my question. You know, the NLD uh, won eighty three percent of available seats uh, in the November election. Um, so even if another election uh, will be called. Um, do, do you think um, that there will be a major difference um, in, you know, in how how the seats will be allocated? Uh, well, first of all, I think we should not assume that a new election will be held within one year because, you know, any any constitutional rewrite or major, you know, electoral reform would take time. Uh, you know, the regional experience is anything to go by. And... Uh, and you're, you're right, you know, because uh, Aung San Suu Kyi and her uh, party uh, were and I think remain generally, uh, genuinely popular. 
and therefore any election, you know, uh, uh, that involves, you know, like uh, most of the citizens voting would probably uh, deliver a similar result. So I think what could happen potentially was that there would be some limitation on uh, on the kind of uh, people that could run in in the new elections. Uh, and also there would be, I think, um, uh, an, an escalation of, you know, of pre-election crackdown, you know, on dissent, uh, you know, to give uh, the military a better chance. But uh, I think uh, the expectations really here is that uh, the military would uh, put, would preferably, you know, um, try to govern the country in a responsible manner, especially, you know, amid uh, the current COVID crisis. I mean, uh, that could, you know, uh, position them and their uh, aligned parties, you know, um, better in the upcoming election. Well, and what about the economic impact of all this? What will it do to the economy of the country? Well, uh, it, is, it is bound to be a, a, a negative thing for Myanmar's economy. Uh, um, although, in the short term, uh, I would say uh, the current COVID pandemic would probably overshadow uh, the coup as the single biggest factor accounting for Myanmar's economic slowdown. Now, uh, I'm not... Uh, counting uh, the risk of sanctions if uh, the Western countries, including the U.S., are indeed going to reimpose the kind of sweeping sanctions that we saw uh, before um, 2011 when the uh, transition to civilian government took place, uh, then yes, the um, uh, the impact would be uh, huge and would be immediately visible because those kind of sanctions basically then uh, all uh, all companies and citizens, you know, uh, from from the respective countries, uh, from doing any uh, business with um, with the Myanmar government. So, uh, but this is not something that uh, that we can tell uh, before the dust settles in. Because, uh, like I said, I think uh, uh, whether uh, such uh, such a set of sweeping sanctions will be imposed really depends on what the government. Uh, just in the coming days. Okay, a uh, couple of interesting emails. Uh, Matthew says, last week at Davos, a very woke-sounding President Xi told the world that the strong should not bully the weak. Decisions should not be made simply by showing off strong muscles or waving a big fist, unquote. Yesterday, about a week later, his Global Times newspaper's first report on the military coup in Burma carried the headline, Major Cabinet Reshuffle Announced in Myanmar, and went on to describe it as such without even mentioning the word coup. As informed observers would know, the CCP have been in the process of attempting to turn Burma into its own puppet state over the last decades or so, and good relations with the Burmese military are fundamental to that effort. Does President Xi and the CCP really think no one notices this stuff? That's uh, from uh, Matthew. Uh, and Anthony says, if I'm correct, Jimmy Lai and Mark Simon went to Myanmar to visit their national security officials a couple of years ago and made some donations to them back then. That's uh, from Anthony. What, what is uh, China's attitude to uh, what's going on? It seems to be fairly kind of cautious uh, at the moment. And I think uh, it's a time-honored tradition for China, you know, not to say uh, too much about uh, what goes on in another country when, you know, when the events 
don't directly affect them. Uh, but I think uh, you're right. You know, they've been cautious. Uh, now, any new, uh, any new, you know, military government in Myanmar would be decidedly pro-China. But Myanmar was already uh, a country that's quite pro-China under Aung San Suu Kyi. So, you know, uh, it's not likely to be any significant changes in terms of the uh, the country's geopolitical orientation. Uh, on the other hand, though, I think uh, China has a lot of reasons to be concerned because uh, they are they are among the largest investors in the country, especially when it comes to you know the, those expensive uh, infrastructure projects. Uh, and uh, also, Myanmar uh, and Myanmar is an uh, important trading partner uh, for China. So uh, the fact that Myanmar's uh, economy is slightly going to grow at a slower pace, not to mention uh, the risk of uh, international sanctions would uh, really, you know, uh, really, you know, endanger any returns that uh, that the Chinese could hope to get from uh, from their projects in Myanmar. And, and, that's a, and that's a lot of money that we are talking about, considering the fact that Myanmar was one of the uh, priority countries for the Belt and Road Initiatives. Um, yeah, so I think uh, I think China's official line uh, remains that you know they hope they uh, both sides would you know sit down and resolve their differences peacefully. And indeed, if this turned out to be the case, I think that would work out best for Chinese interests in Myanmar. Okay, well, Brian Chair, thank you very much indeed for joining us. For joining us uh, from the Economist uh, Intelligence Unit, uh, uh, an analyst there. Uh, let's round off with some uh, emails. Uh, oh, I know, Mike. Mike, you did say in that in an email I, re- I read out earlier that uh, a New York House seat was just overturned from a Democrat flipped to a Republican House member due to what was described as illegal irregularities. More on that story as it unfolds. Can you can you tell me the name of that person or any more details? Because I was just trying to find anything about that and uh, wasn't able to do that, Mike. So um, presumably, if if somebody's actually going to be removed, then um, Somebody would know about it. So can you give me a name and we'll see if we can follow up because uh, you accuse RTHK of not uh, covering the story. Neil uh, says, dear Backchat, this article is very interesting. Uh, it's uh, written by Dr. David Owens uh, in Hong Kong from uh, the uh, OTNP partnership. Uh, says that um, the distribution of all COVID-19 vaccines will be managed by the government in the first instance. In fact, the government has made it a criminal offence for doctors in Hong Kong to import and give vaccines outside of the government system. Neil says, uh, check the government website. I believe plans are underway to roll out a vaccination programme, most likely along the same lines of the community testing programme held last year. Properly planned and with community support, the whole population could be vaccinated within one month. The UK vaccinated more than uh, half a million people in one day. At that rate, in 16 days, the whole of Hong Kong could be vaccinated. To smooth out the process, as well as setting up government vaccination centres, the government should also permit private doctors to administer the vaccine and give the option to those willing to pay for the vaccine to be administered in a more private setting, which would also relieve the strain on the government vaccination centres. I will be the first in the queue to keep my family safe. That comes uh, from uh, Neil. 
Uh, and uh, Magnus says, uh, hi again. Please ask Dr. Chan what he thinks of the Hong Kong government choosing to never limit gatherings in private places, for example, in one's home. Other countries limit gatherings in all settings to the extent that they're limited anywhere. How can it be conscionable to force the closure of businesses and schools for months at a time, but at the same time permitting unlimited numbers of persons to gather in tiny apartments? Where do you think people are eating post six o'clock in the absence of restaurants? Separate households are, of course, gathering to eat and socialise in each other's homes. On the R number, the point is that the R number was less than one before the December the 10th measures were implemented. This means, by definition, that they were not necessary, none of them, not just the outdoor settings. Obviously, those could never make any sense, but also the 6pm rule. This is not a matter of opinion. It's demonstrable in the data. Removing the provenly unnecessary 6pm two-person rule would throw a lifeline to the restaurant sector. That's uh, from uh, Magnus. Uh, and uh, Leslie Ann says uh, on the poll of uh, people saying they wouldn't um, take the vaccine, uh, Leslie Ann says, as far as I'm aware, the Hong Kong poll that was taken to see what the uptake of the vaccine might be was only a few hundred people who do not at all representative of the 7.5 million Hong Kong people. If people do not want to take it, that's fine. There will be plenty of vaccines for those who want it. This needs to be rolled out before we all go mad from being trapped here for endless months. Please ask Dr. Ma how many positive cases were discovered in the second and third weeks of quarantine. My guess would be negligible. Uh, that's uh, from uh, Leslie Ann. And finally, Herman uh, says, uh, responding to a caller yesterday, Bowen, your call from Mount Canada was a sensational drama queen masterclass. For the sake of your own health, stop taking yourself seriously. And is uh, from Herman. Thank you very much indeed for, for all your messages. And Ada, thank you very much indeed. That's it from us. The weather, fine and dry. Warm with some haze during the day. Temperatures up to about 26 degrees today. Windy and slightly cooler tomorrow. 20 degrees now. Humidity is at 86%. No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. Let's get vaccinated. 934, the news now with Samantha Butler. The Secretary for Health, Sophia Chan, says her mind has been put at ease after overnight lockdowns of almost a dozen buildings across Hong Kong failed to find any COVID-19 cases. The government says around 1,700 people were tested at buildings in Jim Sajoy, Yunlong, Hongham and Yaomate. The restaurant trade has estimated losses of $7 billion for February after the government extended social distancing measures. Simon Wong, the president of the Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades, says the Lunar New Year month normally brings in a $10 billion profit for the industry to see them through the less lucrative months from March to May. And President Biden has strongly condemned the military coup in Myanmar, saying those responsible will be held to account. Mr Biden said the detention of Aung San Suu Kyi and other civilian leaders was a direct assault on democracy and the rule of law. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for